I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Ben Hall. Donald Trump embarked on his first foreign trip as U.S. president this week with a visit to Saudi Arabia and Israel before heading on to Europe for a meeting with EU, NATO and G7 leaders. Saudi Arabia might seem an unconventional first stop for a US president, but Mr Trump was intent on using it for an early win, resetting America's relations with the Sunni Arab world and re-emphasising his antipathy towards Iran as the big threat to regional peace and stability. But how much has really changed in US policy towards the Middle East? With me to discuss this issue are Rula Khalaf, the FT's deputy editor here in the studio, Simeon Kerr down the line from Dubai, and John Reed from Jerusalem. Rula, how much has really changed in US policy towards the Middle East? I think the, the fundamental shift that we saw play out over, over the past week is a realignment back to a pre-Obama years policy. And by that I mean... The U.S. has always been much closer to its traditional allies in in the Gulf, the Sunni, the Sunni Arab states of the Gulf, and along with that, Egypt and and Jordan. And although Obama did not fundamentally change this, the perception of of the Obama White House was that it cared a lot more about building a certain relationship and reaching a detente with with Iran. Of course, there was no detente with Iran. There was a nuclear agreement that was that was reached that worked, you know, for the world community as well as as for Iran. But that deal was taken very badly in in um, the Arab Gulf. And so by taking this first trip to Saudi Arabia, which is very unusual for for a U.S. president, and by meeting more than 50 Sunni leaders there, I think Donald Trump made it very clear where his administration stands. And also, as I was, as Simeon was, uh, will will be talking about, I think shortly, emboldened Saudi Arabia, and so in a way he is shifting the balance of power in the region again towards the Sunni states. Sim, is that how they see it in Saudi Arabia? And what substantially has changed in, in, to the degree that Saudi Arabia can feel emboldened? Well, they certainly were over the moon with the the whole visit. There, you know, the, the statements of President Trump were lockstep with theirs in terms of their view of Iran and its role in the region. And yeah, they have, the, the, there's a sense that the Gulf Arab states are now you know, taking this message from Trump and trying to act on it. So the example would be in Bahrain, we saw very violent scenes as the security forces went into a village to, to, to break up a protest around a, a the, the, the most senior cleric in the in the country that, that, that you know that saw a huge uptick in violence there and, and it certainly indicates an, an emboldenment there and it's all very much backed up by Saudi Arabia we've seen a similar campaign from Saudi Arabia and UAE against Qatar who they 
often think is too has supported too much uh, Islamic extremism in the Islamist extremism in the region. So those two incidents highlight the fact that they do feel emboldened. But once again, there is very there, there seems very little they can do in in say for example the the, the key conflict regions such as Syria and Libya and Yemen. They're still bogged down there. What they hope to do is that they want to have this Islamic military alliance, which they were discussing with Trump there, 50 Sunni, largely Sunni leaders there, all getting together, trying to create a blueprint for coordinated action in these, in these conflicts, particularly Libya, perhaps Syria. The trouble is there was no detail. There, many of the delegates there were thinking, well, you know, we're just here for confidence building. Uh, we're not, we're not getting ready to sign up to the so-called Muslim NATO yet. So they see, you know, he still faces, the, sorry, the Sunni Gulf states still face a lot of uh, constraints. I, th- their, I think, you know, uh, Sim, if, if you go back to the Yemen campaign, these sort of symbolic statements and symbolic meetings, when when a crunch time, when, when it's crunch time, they don't really tend to materialize into support. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of when the Saudis announced, I don't know, 16 or 17 countries joining them in, in the battle, in their campaign in Yemen. And we heard, you know, the Pakistani saying, no, not us. And then, you know, other, other even Arab states saying, no, we're, we won't be joining. So there's always, there's always a lot more noise than, than action in these things, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the Pakistanis, there was no way with a significant Shia minority that they would consider getting involved in a, in a war that would and has ended up being seen along those sectarian lines. But I think what the, what the Sunni Gulf states are saying is they're saying we can form different coalitions for different problem regions. Like in Libya, maybe you know, they would obviously want to back, get behind Egypt, even if they fail to get any support from, say, for example, Qatar. And in Syria, they, they're, they're talking a lot about it, but they really face problems trying to come up with a, a coordinated response there. John, Donald Trump's criticism of Iran, Trump's trident criticism of Iran, would have been music to the ears of the Israeli government. But he also seemed to portray this as, a, as an opportunity to bring the Arab world, Sunni Arab world, and Israel a little bit closer together, you know, a co- united against a common enemy, possibly with a view to sort of improving the prospects of what he described as the ultimate peace deal. But frankly, they didn't get any closer, did they? They didn't get any closer, and he, he gave very, very little away here. We're not much closer to understanding how he's going to relaunch the peace process, what it's going to look like, you know, what his ideas are for, for getting uh, some, some kind of resolution, resolution here on the ground. You're right, he did, he did bring up Iran. He did speak about it as uh, the region's foremost enemy. It was absolutely an Israeli talking point, and... The subtext here is that Israel has been working with the Gulf Arab countries behind the scenes, cooperating with them more and more closely in defense and cybersecurity, although they're still officially sworn enemies and and have no no relations. The way this constellation would work or or would affect the peace process if it is indeed relaunched, I think the, the Israeli magical thinking around this is that the Egyptians, the Saudis, and so on will lean on the Palestinians to, to accept concessions of the kind that, that they weren't willing to do before. 
perhaps including some, something that would fall short of a Palestinian state. So it's all very interesting. His speech uh, that he gave in Jerusalem at, at the Israel Museum, it was, it was billed as the highlight of his visit, was actually extremely short on details. So again, we don't really know what he's planning. He did send his envoy, Jason Greenblatt, his main envoy for, for Israeli-Palestinian talks, back to the region today. We're talking on we're talking on uh, Thursday now, so they're 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 clearly up to something. Ruler, how long can this new mood of optimism and in, in warmth in in relations between the U.S. and the Sunni Arab world last if America sticks with the nuclear deal with Iran? I think the nuclear deal is not so much the issue right now. I think that most of the countries have, in fact, in, and even Israel, have, in fact, advised the Trump administration not to tear the deal apart. Where where they want to see a lot stronger action is in the meddling that they that they see from Iran in Iraq, in Lebanon, in Syria. And I think, you know, in Iraq, for example, the Americans and, and the Iranians are on the same side. And the biggest fear of, of the Iraqis is if there's tension in a growing tension in this relationship that the Americans and and the Iranians will will start fighting each other on on Iraqi soil. And we saw that after the American led invasion of, of Iraq. So now they're fighting on the same side. And as long as there's sort of ISIS as the common enemy, they will, I think, continue to be on the same side. I think one has to look at what happens after ISIS is is driven out of uh, Mosul, and I think that will be pretty soon. In Syria, they are on opposite sides, and I think the 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 demands of the Americans when it when it come, when they're talking to the Russians is we'll cooperate with you against ISIS, but we want you to commit to the removal or the withdrawal of Iranian backed militias. So I think there's there will be a you know a problem in Syria. You could potentially get more of an escalation in Syria. So th- this is, you know, these aren't issues that are easily addressed when it comes to, to the region. I think Donald Trump has taken a very broad and simplified view of, of the Middle East. And I think he will soon find out that if, you know, words and and rhetoric do have an impact on the ground, not least in inflaming sectarian uh, passions. OK, that's it for this week. My thanks to Rula Khalaf, Simeon Kerr and John Reed. World Weekly is produced by Hannah Murphy. Until next week, goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.